of beggars and kings. It seems that every kingdom has them. In every kingdom, think back on any kingdom story you look at, any situation, whether it's Narnia or whether it's Lancelot or whatever it is, as you think back on those stories, there are the kings. And there are those in the streets. There are those who are needy. There are those who are lowly. There are those who are begging for every bite of bread that may be available, scavenging what they can to get what they might be able to scrap together for even a morsel to eat. Beggars and kings. So we find ourselves a lot of times as beggars acting as kings. See, we have every bit to work with. We have every opportunity to make decisions. We have every blessing available, every bit of abundance that is given to us, and we're able to act as kings within our own little tiny camps. Beggars acting as kings. And it's easy to do. It's easy to set up our own little kingdoms. It's easy to set up our own little places where we can rule and reign and stand as the one with the most authority making every decision we want to make within our own little circle. Control that we can hold on to. The power that we can wield within our own little setting. Beggars trying to be kings. We walk through this Good Friday night, and we hear of Christ carrying his cross, the king of all creation, carrying a crossbeam to a couple hundred pounds even, dragging it up a road in front of beggars, in front of those who are beggars acting as kings. Yet the king of all creation walks through his creation and upon his creation carrying the weight of the sins of all the beggars. Up a long road to a hillside. Seen shortly before that, he was enjoying a meal. A king who served those who were following him. A king who served the beggars in the streets. Think back on those stories again. How many kings do you know that come to serve? But a king who laid down his garments and would wash the feet of the beggars. Though they didn't quite know they were beggars. Because their first argument was who was the greatest. In the midst of that meal, right after the foot washing, they start to argue and figure out who and who's going to stand and what the rank is going to be once Jesus comes into his kingdom. Yet one of them there, was looking to grab even a little bit more control, maybe an opportunity to force the hand of the king to show himself as king. Judas. Judas goes with the money bag. He goes to the high priest and he, he buys an opportunity, actually gains money for an opportunity to hand over the king. So there's this image that I love of Judas Not so much because it brings joy, but because it makes me stop and think about a beggar 
watching the king walk away. This is a uh, piece of work done by an artist named Nikolai Gay. I believe he's Russian. Uh, and he paints Holy Week from a very interesting perspective. As you see Judas standing there, you see loneliness. You see a bit of wonder because far off in the distance, there's that little bit of candlelight, that little bit of a group of people walking away and he knows that he has just handed off Jesus. You can imagine the wonder going on in his mind. Is Jesus going to do what he thought he was going to do? Is Jesus going to show himself as Messiah as Judas hoped he would show himself as Messiah? As Judas stands there in the dark after they've eaten a Passover meal, waiting for the sun to rise at some point in time, walking a lonely road in confusion and desperation in denial. And so he stands there apart from God. Have you ever felt apart from God? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. We have the benefit of being people after the cross. We know the end of the story, but right there, Judas didn't know the end of the story. In fact, he cut his story short. A beggar lost in depression. <coughs> and a king walking a lonely road, even though there's a lot of people there, walks a road to Pilate, walks a road to Herod, walks a road back to Pilate as he gets thrown back and forth between people who don't want to call him guilty. Yet he still walks a guilty man's road as innocent as can be. A king walking for beggars. And in that moment where Pilate stood with Jesus and pronounced him innocent, those that were in the crowd still begged for the life of a murderer, not for their king. Begged for the one that they thought was going to have the political power. Begged for the one that they thought was going to have the wherewithal to bring their people back into the highlight of where they needed to be. And Jesus continued to stand there. King of creation. Letting the sin of the beggars build up further and further and weigh upon his shoulders. It wasn't much longer before that king was named king by Pilate, king of the Jews. And the Jews said, no, don't put that he's the king of the Jews. Put that he says he's the king of the Jews. We beg of you, Pilate, don't put what you think needs to be put up there, but put the fact up there that he's claiming that for himself. And Pilate says, what I've written, I've written. A king hung in the place of the beggars. A king hanging between two thieves, two murders, two that deserve to be up there on the cross, yet the king of creation hanging in a beggar's place upon a cross, dying a beggar's death. And even in those moments, not one bit of harsh words come from his mouth. 
as he cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Crying out as a beggar with a crown of thorns upon his head. Cries out for the forsakenness that Judas felt on that road. He cries out for the forsakenness that we feel when we feel that God is far from us. He cries out for the forsakenness of a beggar with the weight of sin in their life. And he looks down upon those who are below him, those who are casting lots for his raiments, those who are uh, gambling off his clothes and dividing it amongst themselves. He says, Father, forgive them. for They know not what they're doing. He looks down upon his mother who is standing there and the few faithful that had the courage to stand there at the foot of the cross while their Messiah is being hung in their place. And he gives them homes. Looks at his mom. He says, John, your mother. Looks at his mom and he says, Mom, your son. Sends them off, his family. Kings and beggars. There's so many times that we want to stand in a king's place. I pray on a night like tonight you look at where your king has stood. Because your king, Jesus, has stood in your place. He wore our crown of thorns. He sat there and died. A death that we may deserve but no longer have to die because our king not only washed the feet of his disciples but died the death of the beggars and then pleaded for our forgiveness. And on Good Friday, we watch as that king dies, as he's taken off the cross, as he's laid in a tomb, I'm so thankful that we also know that Easter is around the corner because the tomb is not the end of the story and there's so much more. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you repentant, wanting forgiveness and trusting that that has already been earned on our behalf by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We now sit at the feet of his cross, thankful for all he has done for us, the sacrifice of your son on our behalf so that we may walk in life and walk in mercy and walk in grace that you bestow upon us out of your love for us. In your son Jesus' name, amen.